Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. I want to welcome to the show a Redditor with, in my opinion, the best username of all time, Misery Loves Shotguns, aka Kellen, aka the self-described curmudgeon who tried to walk into the water to kill himself instead of walking around Patjens Lake with Sarah. Kellen, hello, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Um, I absolutely love your username. Where did that come from? How did you come up with Misery Loves Shotguns? Um, mostly just... You know, being a pretty miserable guy, I have a tattoo in this fancy font on my right arm here that actually says misery. And people always make the joke, oh, misery loves company. And that's real cliche, but I like shotguns and guns in general, which is why we're, I'm doing this episode with you. But yeah, I always just thought like, oh, that'd be a fun name to use. So it's been my screen name on various forums and you know, email address for like a decade now. That's cool. Okay, so you reached out to me a little while ago to request that I do an episode about the weapons in the game. And in my usual style, I turned that back around on you and asked you to come on and be my guest for the discussion. So I want to say thank you for joining me today. But before we get into the topic, I want to talk a little bit about Days Gone first. How long have you been playing the game? So I got it shortly after the release and initially I just rented it because I'd been burned with a few games leading up to that that I spent all this money on and I hated and then I just you know gave away or sold or whatever and so I rent this and I'm thinking I don't know if I'm gonna like it and I fucking loved it (laughs) It, like I felt like initially that being kind of a horror game an open world one of my first thoughts was this is what Resident Evil could have been Mm. instead of one of those boring linear games that you can beat in two and a half hours and they actually encourage you to just run right through it i hate that in games so yeah basically since the beginning so you rented it and then you you bought it and just fell in love with it how many times have you played it uh i've probably beat it six times maybe more than that i also spend a fuck ton of time playing the challenge mode um not the bike challenges i'm horrible at those (laughs) But the hordes and the um, ambush camps and the, mm. the one where you just have to fight the waves of enemies, those are a lot of fun. I like that one, the cemetery one. That's my favorite. Yeah. Did you know that you can just kind of hide around corners and shoot them in the head that way? And they just kind of stand there and they wait for you to come out and completely expose yourself before they actually engage you. Yeah. I always play it like kind of slow and stealthy. I like to, because that's how I play in the game. So I like to just sort of take my time. I, I kind of panicked. You mentioned the horde ones. I'm going to go on a slight tangent. You mentioned the horde challenges when we were setting up this interview. And I had been, I will confess, I had been too scared to play the horde challenges because I don't like that running and gunning, that sort of panicked energy, you know, nonstop, no time to prepare, no time to stop and think, no breathing time at all. I don't like that. That that just makes me sweat with anxiety and nervousness. So I'd avoided them, but I played Black Friday for the first time last night. Mm-hmm. I actually live streamed it. So I was like fully ready to completely embarrass myself on the internet in front of dozens of people. And 
I uh, I actually did really well. I got silver. It only took me a few tries and I got silver. And oh. now I like feel like I kind of get it a little more. I could probably go for gold if I set my mind to it. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, maybe that's just because I'm getting better at playing the game. I'm on my fourth playthrough currently um, yeah. on Survival 2 Fresh Start. So no new game plus. And that's, I think, really kind of like helped me get a lot better and, and um, have a lot more confidence with the game. Yeah, so a couple things there. When I did my survival playthrough this last time, I started fresh. Um, prior to that, I had done New Game Plus a couple of times and Hard 2, mm -hmm. just because I didn't want to have to start all over, but I really don't like survival. Not having the map kills me. And then the worst part was in the cave where you have to fight that horde, and I have... I can barely see even with the oh, flashlight. Oh, yes. Yeah, you need so, the outline, the eagle vision, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, I need to know how close they are, what direction they're coming from. So I got my ass kicked there. Like, I didn't die, but it just it was the sloppiest horde fight I'd had. This is and, the ice wind lava cave, right? Yeah, when you go on the mission for O'Brien and you have to fight the Reacher, mm -hmm. that one was tough. But yeah, um, kind of humble brag coming back to the Black Friday, I guess. My high score is 83 million on that. Damn. And prior to that, I had 82 at one point. And then I got to one point and I realized like, oh, I'm going to finally beat that score. And I got to 83 and I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I'm on a roll. Nothing's going to stop me now. How far am I going to go? And then I made a stupid move. I had the camera facing behind me like I like to do when I'm fighting the hordes. So like I'm looking at the camera so I can see how mm -hmm. close they are. And I turned right and I got myself caught in a spot um, right around behind where that explosive tank is where you pick up the PPSH. Mm -hmm. And they swallowed me up there and I was dead. 83 million? Yeah. That's fucking incredible. How long did that take? Like like to get to 83 million, how many... How long is that round? Like how many minutes or, or hours is that? Oh, fuck. It It depends... How quickly you can build up the combo, not necessarily how quickly you can build up, but how many times do you lose it? Because if you start out generally in the beginning with Black Friday and you're on a good run, you can usually get to about 400 kills, I can anyway, with just picking up the RPD, dropping down into that building you start on and grabbing the scorpion, or the, the stinger. I, I tend to call the guns by their actual names sometimes, but so you pick up the stinger in there because it's slightly better than the ak that's on the roof mm -hmm. and then you get the rpd and then you go around the corner and you get them there you can usually get to about 400 kills there and once you lose that then you're kind of fucked but to get into the millions and the tens of millions you have to get your combo up to like 10,000 12,000 it takes usually about an hour Oh, my word. Yeah, and by the time I'm done, my wrists hurt, and yeah, <laughs> I don't want Do you wanna... blink at all during the hour? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I blink. Sometimes I'll pause it to kind of, like, get up and, like, sort of stretch a little bit, but yeah, I played it earlier today and was messing around with some of the other challenges just to familiarize myself in case you want to talk about those in more detail, and I was playing Taylor... And my wife comes walking through and like, who the fuck is this guy? And 
I was explaining to him who he was and like, oh yeah, he's the guy that kills Documentas because he wanted the, the drugs and he's an addict and kind of minimized the whole thing about how his storyline, he was supposed to be comic relief until that part, but mm. yeah, um, playing him and I got 19.4, I think, 19 million. But yeah, the other two horde challenges are way harder. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So I started with the easy one. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's different. The, as far as the actual combo, Black Friday is the easiest because you can maintain a combo for a lot longer while being inactive. But like if you're playing um, the first one, Surrounded, I think it's called, at Sherman's Camp, mm. if you stop killing something for a couple of seconds, unless you have a combo that's way up there in the hundreds or thousands, it'll disappear so fast. It's so hard to get a high score on that one. I mean, it depends. Like If you don't like just dropping right into the combat... Those, you started that gazebo in the middle of Sherman's camp and surrounded, and the horde is already running at you from the area you come in with Iron Mike when you go there to get the uh-huh. the map for the dynamite. And then in surrounded, uh, infested rather. So when you start that one, you're at the bridge that goes across that gas station mm-hmm. at the edge of Rogue Camp. And yeah, they're coming right at you with that one too. So those might freak you out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll build up to those. I will do them. Just I need to, I need to prepare. I think and like figure out what the fucking most of it. It's not that it's like scary or intimidating. It's just it's not my cup of tea. You know, yeah. I prefer like a slower, stealthier play style. And so the idea of just like being dropped right in front of a horde with no preparation is just it's not my idea of a good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, give you a tip with Black Friday. Like I said, what I tend to do, I just sort of walk off to the right, go down into that building, get the stinger, run up to where the RPD is, and then when you go around the corner, you can sort of run in circles around that area with the huts a few times. Um, I tend to shoot them there, and then I run around to one side of the fence so that they're bunched up a little bit so it's easier to kill more of them because mm. they, they tend to spread out and they try to flank you. Yeah. But they can't do that when they're one of, like, there's a fence on a side of them. So then you run towards the hut that is kind of off to the left of that police car. Mm-hmm. Climb up on the roof there. You can usually get a few of them, you know, as they're slowly climbing up. Then you jump down, go onto the hut behind that. There's only one part that they can actually climb up on. So as long as you, like, if you got your RPD, you got 65 rounds to just mow them down as they're coming up that way and then if you're okay with a tiny bit of damage you can just roll off the roof over top of them then turn around and resume shooting them and just kind of go run in another circle around there Mm. and you can probably get gold just doing that and not even leaving the area Hmm. okay so give that a shot yeah is challenge mode your favorite thing about the game um I thought so for a while until I started that fresh playthrough because there are so many scenes in the game that is thought like, holy shit, I forgot how good this scene is. And then this one is like, oh, this whole part. There are some missions that I'll just put off as long as I can because like, when it's over, I don't get to do it again. But then I remember, oh yeah, I can just tap the record button and then I can go back and watch the cutscene or whatever if I want to. You like the story of the game as well as the actual gameplay and the, you know, 
killing all the freaks and all of that. Like the story draws you yeah, in as much as the gameplay. What I think is most interesting about this game is it's the combination of the intense gameplay and the great combat mechanics and the controls and everything combined with having a really brilliant, captivating story. And I haven't experienced that with any other game to this point. Like I was a big fan of The Last of Us when it came out, but I always felt that the combat left a little bit to be desired, especially with the way you could only carry like basically the equivalent of two magazines worth of ammunition for the guns and resources were so limited. And it was so the game was basically encouraged you to be stealthy and just not. I play that whole yeah. game on stealth. I barely use any yeah. weapons at all. But then you get into those encounters where you have to use weapons. You don't have a way out. And I mean, I'm sure there are people who are going to listen to this and think, oh, this guy just fucking sucks at that game. But then the problem, though, is you don't get a lot of practice with the combat until you get to those scenes. So then you suck ass and you're getting killed over and over. And yeah, it, but then, you know, something like a, you know, I'm a big fan of the Resident Evil games. That's what got me into gaming when I was like 13 and I'm 36 now and followed that the whole way through. But there's never been a, like a Resident Evil game that had a good story. It's, it's more plot than character with Resident Evil. You know, it's stop umbrella, find the person, save the person, whatever the, you know, the goal is. But it's not really, you know, does Jill Valentine have an emotional arc? I mean, Barry in the first game has a little bit, like with the whole, will he sell him out, won't they? Won't he? Like, depending on which, uh, you know, options you choose. But, but really, yeah, you're right. There's there's no like story story to it. There's no like character story, no emotional story, nothing that really sucks you in. It's just a cool world where you get to kill zombies. It's almost easier in that way. And we'll come back to this later when we talk about mindset and you know, so basically living in that world. But it's easier to have a mindless killing zombies game with no nuance and no emotional character development or anything like that because there are no stakes really there's nothing to get invested in just think like oh okay i oh i i forgot to heal and that zombie killed me damn go back to your last save but with these sort of games you're fighting human enemies and there's a a world in some degree that you can relate to and that makes it a little more you know have a little bit more emotional weight to it i think yeah, I was having a discussion recently about favorite enemies in the game, and uh, you know, most people were saying like the the freaks because they're the hardest or you know the most challenging, and and it's more interesting. For me, I actually like taking on the human enemies the most because the animals and the freaks feel kind of environmental. You know, they don't have a story or a mind really, or they're just doing what they do. They just want to kill you, um, hunt you, and kill you. Whereas the humans. I like to imagine, you know, obviously I know it's just a video game, none of it is real, but I like to think, you know, what are these are real people, what's their backstory? Why are they in this ambush camp? Why are they setting up this roadside ambush? You know, what led them to this point? Yeah. And it just, to me, it gives more depth to the the conflict between Deacon, the drifter, you know, the people in the camps, and then the marauders and ambushers, and the hostages as well that you rescue. Yeah, you know, I actually feel less for the hostages than I do for the people that are setting wires up on the road and trying to kill me so that they can, you know, feel me up and get a rag or a bottle of alcohol or something off of me. But mm. yeah, just sometimes like you go to you go out of your way to rescue these people 
and they can't even articulate words. They'll just sort of like, oh, like, oh. a camp? Where? 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 Oh, ah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. He's going to be digging holes for Tucker because he obviously has no other skills. Yeah. I'm also like, he's, th- this happened, has been going on for the past two years. Like, the apocalypse is not new. And this person is like stuck in a car, like being attacked by freaks and unaware of like the dangers of the world. Like, how did you get yourself in this situation? Yeah. How did that helpless fucker survive that long? Like occasionally you'll come across a guy that actually has a gun that seems like he knows what he's doing and you just help him kill a few freaks. And then, you know, you tell him, hey, go to Lost Lake. But that's very rare that you encounter one of those people. Yeah. I actually recently just encountered two times in a row a bunch of, uh, what did Deacon refer to them as? Oh, God, I'm blanking on the name. They were like a roving patrol of bikers, uh, like marauders on bikes, driving around, and they would find some other people. Marauder patrol, that's it. They would drive around, they would find some other people and get into a fight with them, and those other people could actually hold their own and ended up killing the marauder patrol, and I just walked over and was like, hey, go to Lost Lake. And they were like, thanks, and I got trust and, you know... Uh, I thought that was interesting that I'd never seen that before, but twice in a row I encountered these two groups, you know, meeting. Yeah, it's cool when that happens. Have you seen um, something where you have like a a Reacher fighting a Breaker Mm -hmm. or Rager fighting, you know, a Horde or something like that? Yeah. Those are cool. I like to just sit back and watch and, oh, let's see what happens here. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Like, I don't need to waste bullets on this. One of them is going to take out the other one, and then I have yeah. fewer enemies to deal with. Yeah. So how do you think you would fare in the world of Days Gone? Oh, I'd, I'd die pretty early on, I think, for, <laughs> not for the obvious reasons. So, you know, I have lots of guns. I have lots of training. So I don't think I would have issues necessarily being one of those helpless, you know, people out there that, you know, gets killed by the first thing they come across. I think it would be more of a mental deterioration that would lead to me kind of losing the will to live. Mm. And then I just sort of feel like, oh, fuck it. Like Deacon and Boozer have that whole conversation about, you know, what else am I going to do? Or what do you, what else are you supposed to do? Yeah. What the hell else are we going to do? Yeah. And think well what is there to live for though because how many camps are there realistically going to be where people can set up somewhere that's safe that they can try and rebuild a civilization that isn't going to constantly be motherfucked by marauders and rippers and you know whatever other kind of crazy shit that comes through hordes you know and just fucks all their plans to try and rebuild something safe for the few people that are left that actually want to cling to some level of civilization and humanity and aren't just thinking about short term, where's my next meal coming from? Where, you know, where am I going to get to sleep tonight? The long term people that are thinking, okay, how can we rebuild? How can these people contribute? And, you know, you're not going to have a lot of those. And I feel like. I wouldn't have a lot of motivation to stay alive. And I don't know, I'd probably just end up eating a bullet at some point, honestly. (laughs) I mean, you're right. On a long enough timeline, you know, everyone's will to live or ability to live drops to zero. You know, it's if you if you have this world, uh, I mean, there's no medical care. So people are going to be dropping really fucking fast. 
like life average life expectancy is going to be halved overnight pretty much yeah. when you take away hospitals and medical care and medication and and add in all of the environmental factors that you have you know the freaks animals um just fucking you know starvation and cold you know things like that not being not having fresh water yeah. you know i worry about the people at lost lake that water that's you know the marshy i'm like that's kind of brackish water like that's probably got bacteria in it that you you just you don't want to drink yeah it certainly does is how many times do they talk about oh clear out the freaks in the marsh okay yeah. so those freaks are probably you know shitting and pissing into the and rotting, waters probably while they're trapped in those traps and then you kill them and then they rot for probably at least a little while before someone comes and clears them away and is that going to get into your water supply and they're also fishing i guess from the lake so yeah. the fish are maybe contaminated with that yeah it's, no, it's sure not a good are. situation i like to think that i could survive a little while in this kind of world but i'm honestly not sure i would want to because when you think about just what you wouldn't have what we rely on even just basics like fresh water medical care food it's like ah i don't know if i, I don't know if i want to survive into that exactly i think even if you take you know the ability to survive take the fact that i can shoot guns and you know that other people have the skills that they can build cabins or that sort of thing when you take someone's quality of life and it's degraded down to a level where they're homeless they don't know where they're going to sleep they're never safe everyone they meet or every animal they meet is trying to kill them it's going to be really tough for that person to find any will to live and i think something like this could realistically turn into an extinction event mm -hmm. because of that yeah except for nero those guys are okay yeah, Nero and the extremely mentally ill who don't care about bathing or any of the other things that would cause us to want to die. So Deacon, just... basically. Nero yeah, and Deacon. Deacon. <laughs> Deacon and, you know, other insane people that have bunkers out in mm -hmm. you know, rural Oregon that don't even realize this happened because they never come up. Right. Yeah. All right, so let's get into um, kind of more of what we, we want to talk about today. Uh, so we talked about challenge mode already, but... Uh, combat techniques and play styles. I mentioned that my play style is very kind of slow and stealthy. I think I average about 90 to 100 hours for each playthrough of the game to complete the story, complete all the missions, complete all the hordes, yeah. um, which is on the high side. But that's kind of how I like to play. And I don't really use the guns all that much. I use more like craftables and stealth kills and things like that. Sniper rifle is my, my go-to um, yeah. How would you describe your play style? So I'm polar opposites when it comes to human enemies versus freaks. So when I'm going to do an ambush camp, especially early in the game, I'm heavily reliant on stealth. I want suppressors. I want to watch their routes to try and figure out when is the best chance for me to sneak up on them without them turning around. I use residue bolts to turn them against each other. Mm -hmm. And you kind of watch in those camps early. This guy has a handgun. This guy has a, a fucking piece of wood. That one has the AK. Okay, I'm going to hit him with the residue bolt instead of the others. And then a little bit later in the game, you get better weapons and it gets a little bit easier. But I still never go, you know, straight into combat with human enemies. 
now with Freaks, I spend probably about the same, like 100 hours or so on each playthrough because I like to explore and I'm constantly stopping because, oh, I saw a Freak over there. I can kill that Freak and then I can get one additional ear to maybe cover the cost of the ammunition I used to kill it just because <laughs> why not? Yeah. And yeah, so with those, I definitely just run straight in head-on combat with them they don't really do anything that I have to worry about strategy as much. They'll flank us, you know, like we talked about, if you're facing a horde. And as long as you're kind of aware of other freaks that may come up while you're fighting this one, I'd kill as many of those as I can. And then just, I don't know, sometimes it's kind of dumb what I do. Um, there have been a few occasions. Have you ever stopped your bike to, like, I don't know, fight a breaker or something, because you think, ooh, that's that's a bunch of XP, and those ears are worth more. And then, as you're shooting him, a horde comes down over the hill or something <laughs> and ambush and takes you out. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, not specifically that example, but yeah, there's definitely been instances where I'm like, oh, let me just do this one thing. Oh, wait, here's, you know, a horde or a bunch of freaks or, or whatever it is. This was a bad idea. There's always a, a moment where you're like, I should not go off the bike. This was a yeah. bad idea. Especially in survival where you don't have the mini-map to tell mm. you when enemies right. are nearby. Yeah. You yeah. Get this off is, the bike. To... This is my second survival playthrough. I just did survival to New Game Plus, and now I'm doing survival to Fresh Start. So I'm like back to back. And actually, I like not having the mini-map because it adds to the danger. But it is super useful having the mini-map. Yeah. What's happened to me a few times is I'll get off the bike because I want to go pick plants or some shit, and I'll have like a fucking cougar come out of mm. nowhere and just knock me on my ass, or yeah. a runner or something, and like, ah, oh, you, I fucking hate you. <laughs> you know smoke bombs are the answer. Yeah, I learned that from Spawnicus Rex. If you throw that at them, it, it kind of makes them just stand there and throw up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes them and... sick, which is funny and also, you know, makes it easy to to kill them. Uh, so let's talk about the weapons. Let's go through kind of category by category, primary yeah. weapons. Uh, what is, in your opinion, the best or what is your favorite? So I think my favorite all-round weapon in general is the Tavor 7, the IDF pup. Mm -hmm. Just because it's got outstanding firepower, it has good accuracy, the magazine capacity, fire rate, everything is good for hordes. You can carry a lot of ammo, so it's good for hordes. But because it has that accuracy and the rate of fire is still slow enough that I'm not going to fire, you know, three rounds in a burst like I would with the Chicago Chopper. If I go and, you know, I have a suppressor and I'm doing ambush camps, I like that the best. Yeah, because you don't want to waste the ammo if you're firing three rounds into something and you've got a headshot, for example, you know you're going to take it out with one round, Yeah. why waste those other two? Yeah, and also not even just wasting the ammo. It's that, okay, instead of losing 4% of my suppressor, I lost 12% because yeah. the rate of fire is unnecessarily high on this. And, I mean, maybe that's just me not practicing enough with the gun, but it just seems kind of wasteful for human enemies. Mm -hmm. My favorite primary, see, I like to have a shotgun, so I like the auto shotgun. Um, oh, just yeah. because it's it's just so fun and I love how many rounds it holds and it's just really fast and really powerful and if anyone is like 
in close quarters with me, it's like, fuck off. You know, it's just an immediate fuck off to the face and they're down and it blows their heads off. And it kind of reminds me of using the shotgun in Resident Evil. I'm glad you brought mm -hmm. that up. The original Resident Evil where if you aim up with the shotgun and let the zombie get really close to you, you can actually explode their heads. Yeah, yeah. That didn't work all the time, unfortunately, in the remake. And you try mm -hmm. to do that and then it's like, oh, God damn it. You realize this was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, because now they're going to come back and they're going to be a crimson head. I should have just tried to run around them. Uh, interesting you bring up the remake. That's actually one of my favorite games of all time. It's, the, in my opinion, the best Resident Evil game. The GameCube remake of the original Resident Evil. It's fucking amazing. I'm in the minority here with Resident Evil games. I realize we're kind of digressing a little bit, but... <laughs> it's okay. It's my podcast. I call the rules. <laughs> yeah, my favorite is actually the remake of 3. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like I really liked 2, but my problem was that the I hate Ada, so I I don't like playing Leon and then the whole thing with um Chief Irons is so fucking cringy and just he gives mm. off this like gross sweaty kid fucker vibe. Now probably cuz he's a gross sweaty kid fucker. Yeah, I just I really don't like that scene where you have to play as Sherry and escape him. Oh, God, yeah. Even though I like Claire's campaign better, but... Yeah, it's kind of tough. Yeah. But, yeah, the auto shotgun is awesome. I wish the Liberator could carry that much ammo. I don't understand why there's such a discrepancy between, you know, the, I think, what, like 128 shells in reserve you can carry with the Benelli Nova is what it's based on as opposed to Benelli M1014, the Liberator, which you can carry, I think, 20 in reserve. It, like, you burn through those 20 shells so fast, and I love using that gun, but I usually end up with the auto shotgun as my primary until I get either the IDF pup or the US556. What is, in your opinion, the best primary to have for different scenarios? So what's the best against, like, hordes, freaks, animals, ambush camps, like, different, you know, the different levels of enemy that you encounter in the game? I think endgame, if you have access to all of the weapons, assuming that you're somebody that does hordes, because you notice on the, the Days Gone page, a lot of people don't even know that you can get the SMP9 mil-spec version for killing four hordes and they're talking mm -hmm. about you know getting it when they get the trust level three at tucker and like just kill four of the like cascade hordes you can blow them up with a grenade some of them are like 25 freaks mm -hmm. but yeah so i think all around i like the idf pup the best because it has pretty good power and it has more range so my issue with the auto shotgun is just simply that once an enemy gets probably a little bit further out than what would be about 10 yards in the game, it just doesn't seem to really work anymore. Mm. So with those fast-moving animals, the cougars, the runners, I don't like to use it because they have to be so close. I usually just switch to my SMP and then I try to kill them a little bit further away, yeah. create some distance between us. I do exactly the same thing. I, I'm I'm SMP nine until I die. Like I never have. I want to move on to the the sidearm because I actually couldn't name another sidearm because I just use the SMP nine. That's all uh -huh. I have, and for exactly that reason of like the shotgun is my close quarters, and then the SMP nine it gives me a little distance, but is still really effective and really powerful. Yeah. 
what educate me tell me some more about different sidearms like what's what's your favorite what's a what's a good different one if you don't have the smp9 what would be a good other one if for some reason you want to be a contrarian and not use the objectively best sidearm in the game then the pdw um, fn57 is pretty great you use that in some of the challenges it has really good rate of fire. It has great penetration, so if you're fighting multiple enemies with it, you get them to line up. Mm-hmm. Um, the accuracy is where that weapon really stands out for me because the reticle gets so small so fast, especially if you're used to you know, using the 9mm piece of shit that Deacon starts with that apparently he never practiced with because the recoil is really <laughs> harsh. So, like... Just kind of to digress for a moment with that, something that bothers me about starting with that gun is that you kind of have to suspend disbelief that Deacon has a lot of experience with firearms because his that's the weapon he's had that whole time, but he takes so long to reacquire the sights and get accurate with it again. There's so much worse recoil with it than with the other guns, but he picks up something else, anything else basically, the, the SIG, that SA... P9, I believe, that you get a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And huge difference with that gun. So I guess it really was just a complete piece of shit, that thing. Maybe he lost his original gun at like 728 days gone. And we joined at 730 and he's just picked up this new gun that he just found in a bush or on a body or something. And he's, he's like, this is a piece of shit, but it's all I've got. Or... You notice his holster doesn't have any actual retention or any sort of lock or thumb strap or anything. Maybe he was on the road, it fell out of the holster, he had to go back and get it, and it's all fucked up, and that's why the grip is taped, and it wiggles, and that's why he has such a hard time shooting it. That sounds plausible. Yeah. Although why but he doesn't have a decent holster, I do not know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to find holsters sometimes for the guns that I have when I can go online and order them from you know, thousands Mm. of places. If you just have, you know, whatever is available in the general area, I'm sure he's just like, fine, this, this will fit. Anything is better than sticking it in my pocket or my waistband. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. That's a piece of shit. Usually I'll have that until I get the SAP. And then from there, usually by that point, I've killed enough hordes that I have the SMP for the rest of the game. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't like the Eliminator, the Desert Eagle that Schizo has. Your boy Schizo. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, but... (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, actually, um, I've been watching Arcane based on his Mm, recommendation, mm -hmm. and it's so fucking good. Yeah. You watched it? Yes, I've seen the first three or four episodes. I'm still pretty early, but yeah, it's fucking phenomenal. Three is the one where it really got me like, oh, I really like this. That episode was brutal. Yeah. But yeah, his gun, not great. My issue with it is just that it's powerful-ish, but it takes so long to be accurate with it, and the recoil is so harsh, I just kind of gave up on it. And that's the sidearm, so that would be, it's either that or the SMP9. And so my question is always, why would you put down the SMP9? Why use anything but the SMP9? Because it's just amazing. Yeah. 
I figured it's... that out on my first playthrough, and I don't even pay attention to the guns, and I don't really know a lot about guns. And I knew yeah. the SMP9 was where it was at. Yeah, and it's so awesome. Like it, the gun shoots so flat. You don't have to correct the reticle or anything because of the recoil of it, like you constantly do with the uh, the Desert Eagle that Schizo uses. I've I don't think I've ever even actually used the Colonel's gun or Iron Mike's gun. Those could be way awesome, but the um the sheriff and the mayor are they called? Is that what they're? I think the so. I've heard that they're good from the bike. They're like really super powerful. So when okay. he's aiming at like a runner or a you know a, a wolf or whatever, that's when it's really handy. I generally prefer in all games high rate of fire over power. So I'm okay with using three bullets, especially when you can carry when you you know have everything maxed out, two hundred rounds. I'm okay with using three bullets to kill an enemy as opposed to one or two. Mm. And if it's something that's even going to take two shots sometimes, fuck this. I'm going to go back to the SMP. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Let's get on to the probably the most heated debate in the history of Reddit, or at least in the history of the Days Gone sub. Crossbow versus sniper rifle. I Okay, so I am a big advocate for the crossbow through the entire game. I didn't use any other special weapon but the crossbow until I got to the point where I had killed the sawmill horde. I went back to the Nero checkpoint so I could go into the locker and switch out to the, the 50 BFG, and then I went and fought the militia. And then mm. as soon as I'm done fighting the militia, I'm back to the crossbow. You use the BFG south of the mountains and crossbow in the northern part of the map. Well, I use the crossbow even in the south until I have to actually go and fight them at the way. Oh, like at the, yes. The I'm sorry. I Yeah, I misunderstood. Because everyone has armor, so regular bolts are useless. I can use explosive bolts, but I could also just use the 50 BFG and shoot them twice and they're dead. So with with that said, though, why wouldn't you use the BFG or a decent sniper rifle instead of the crossbow? What does the crossbow give you in other scenarios when you're not fighting the militia? So I like that the crossbow is always suppressed. So I, you know, it, it's not actually firing a supersonic round, so you don't have to worry about putting a suppressor on it. It's not going to alert nearby enemies. You can easily craft ammunition with scrap and with cedar saplings and you know some people complain it's when you get to the more useful bolts it's more resource intensive mm -hmm. but you know you get more out of putting your kerosene and you know your scrap and whatever into incendiary bolts than you do out of one molotov right because you get three bolts yeah, you get three bolts for every kerosene can versus a Molotov is just one kerosene can, one Molotov. Yeah. It's equal, um, to which makes sense for the nests and the criers and all of that. Yeah. But do you use incendiary bolts for anything else? Um, I like to burn snipers with them because they piss me off, especially <laughs> if I'm on my bike. And these guys, like no fucking wonder they're still alive because they're incredible shots. They can hit any moving target from any distance. Yeah, you're going like 60 miles an hour through trees and uh -huh. they can still get a bead on you and take yeah. you out. They, It's weird though because they have the reticle actually right on me 
but apparently they don't know that I don't know it's like a, it's a trick because you have to lead a moving target to hit them generally especially if they're moving laterally in front of you but they just hold the reticle right on you the whole time and they hit you it's incredible mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it but yeah especially when those fuckers shoot me and they wreck my bike so I you will get pissed. yeah <laughs> Set I, get, fire. I get pissed and I will find cover somewhere and I'll figure out where's a good spot to get them and I'll get as close as I need to to be able to burn them with the incendiary bolt because fuck them brutal I like sniping the snipers that the sort of I don't know if that counts as irony but um I like that that idea of they think they've got the drop on me yeah and they're mistaken yeah like can you imagine the how badass you'd feel after that just Let's say you're using the SMP9 or something. I mean, you said you snipe them, but if you just do it with an iron sight machine pistol from 50 yards away and you pick them off when they're unable to hit you with a scoped rifle, Mm -hmm. come away from that feeling like, yeah, fucking awesome. Which actually would be really dangerous in the world of Days Gone because if you get a little too much confidence and you're oh, yeah. you know walking around like strutting around like I'm fucking badass I'm the boss and then you know a cougar shows up uh-huh. and it's like nope yeah nope, you're, you're mistaken <laughs> you're celebrating and next thing you know a cougar's ripping your throat out and you're mm-hmm. just thinking oh no yeah let's talk through all of the different uses of the crossbow so obviously you have the incendiary bolts and you just have your basic shooting with a sharp stick regular bolt what are the other ones yeah, um, one other thing to add, the incendiary bolts, before I forget, if some people don't know this, when you hit a rager or regular bear, or sometimes the, um, I think it works with the cougars as well, the wolves will run away while they're on fire. But with the bears, if you hit them with a bolt or a molotov, they're slower while they're on fire. Mm. Oh, I actually didn't know they were slower. I knew they were more vulnerable when they're yeah. on fire, but I didn't know they actually slowed down. Yeah, they don't charge as much in my experience so it's a lot easier to just dump rounds into their face yeah that's so that's another use for those but the residue bolts they're awesome i rarely use them on freaks against each other i mostly just use them on human enemies when i you know feel like instead of just going in and killing them myself or early in the game when i have shitty weapons like i said they're great in ambush camps but yeah, one thing you definitely don't want to do, though, is shoot breakers with them. Why? What happens when you shoot a breaker? I don't know this to be 100% accurate, but my anecdotal experience has been that breakers are going to kill whoever's nearby anyway, and it seems to me that when I shoot them with a residue bull, because I've done this twice, they are way harder to kill. Hmm. But also, that was before I found out that you can just throw a flash grenade at them and stealth kill them if you have the executioner skill. Mm -hmm. So all of that might be, you know, kind of contradictory and all of it sort of makes the other piece irrelevant. But yeah, it's just all I use them for pretty much is human enemies. Yeah. You said that you use them on freakers. I didn't think residue bolts worked on freakers. Um, I I mean, you can get, a regular freak to fight another freak with it. I just don't see any value to that because it's not like that freak that's fighting this one is 
that much harder to kill. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like I could have just as easily taken that guy out with a regular bolt or with, you know, throwing a rock over there and distracting him and stealth killing him. Right. Yeah. So it seems like a waste. I do love you mentioned about using the residue bolts to take out an ambush camp when you want to sort of see them kill each other. Going back to the idea of the favorite type of enemy in the game and, and a sort of giving some sense of story and irony to the humans and, and you versus the human enemies. I love that. I love making them fight each other. Uh, I also like bringing hordes into the ambush camps as well. Or freaks or breakers or whatever I can. Some, one time I tried to drag a bear mm -hmm. in, but the bears are so slow. And I yeah. ended up getting shot before I could, like, deliver the bear. <laughs> deliver the bear. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty fun. Um, I can't remember the name of the checkpoint, but it's the one that always has that horde just behind the barricade mm. of cars in the tunnel. Yeah terrible fucking place for them to set up a camp why do these ambush camps they're always at like, the belknap caves ambush camp it's like right above that cave that uh -huh. has the, all the freaks in i'm like why did you why did you guys set up an ambush camp here how stupid are you I don't you're know. literally right next to a horde i mean is it like a situation where you buy a house and you think oh this place is great it's in a nice neighborhood and then six months later everyone around you's moved out and you know it's turned into a like Crack dens on every corner. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of crack houses and apartment buildings that people don't give a shit about. And, you know, next thing you know, you've got shopping carts in the front lawn and refrigerators that haven't been picked up for garbage for a year because, you know, they won't properly dispose of it. Like, that's, like, I can relate because there's a house right down from me that was like that for a while. It's not anymore, but that's the equivalent of setting up this nice ambush camp on top of a mountain. And then next thing you know, a horde moves in down the hill in a cave. Like, oh, fuck. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. I suppose that if you have a good, like the Belknap Caves ambush camp is really good because it's kind of hard to get in there. Um, yeah. I've just sort of developed this new tactic using bear traps that I really like, that it's very stealthy and slow and, and takes a long time to complete. I think it's amazing. It's very satisfying to use the horde as part of the weaponry. Yeah. Um, I found a great way to like bring the horde up to the top because that's always a uh, big difficulty i think is like luring them up there um but that is a sweet spot you know and the same with the one by the tunnel aside from the tunnel that's a sweet setup that they have it's like a pretty well protected area they are kind of like down in the dip so you can kind of get them from above which is perhaps not great yeah but it's like sheltered not many people are going to see it you know human marauders aren't going to see it so they they do have an element of protection, but yeah, then there's the horde right there. It's yeah. Like, well, you you're kind of fucked. You know what I do with the Belknap Caves camp? I'll put a suppressor on, and sometimes I'll, you know, I'll kill maybe one enemy, or I'll just shoot at them, fire a shot, and kind of let them see where I am. They're not going to run all the way around to come and get me, but mm -hmm. what they are going to do is they're going to start shooting. They're not going to put suppressors mm. on and they're going to lure the horde up to themselves. And then I just sit there by that um, door that you can blow up. Yes. The horde's not going to come all the way over there. The human enemies aren't going to come over there. I just basically trick them into killing themselves. Mm hmm. But yeah, yeah, a yeah lot when of you those... can, when you can get the horde up, that's the best way. That is how I think that, that is, ambush camp is designed to be taken out. You know, the, the developers obviously wanted you to use 
bear traps and the horde as part of your arsenal of weapons. Uh, but it is difficult sometimes to get the horde to go up and to get them engaged without getting yourself in the way. So that's a perfect strategy of sitting off to that side by that one, that, the gate that you blow up, because you can snipe at them across the the ravine or like, you know, shoot at them, you know, fire a few shots. And then you're right, they, they don't come all the way around there. So you're pretty safe. Yeah. I wonder if those people start shooting and they're like, oh, fuck, there's the horde down there. And they regret taking those shots at me when they're getting eaten alive by freaks. Mm -hmm. So incendiary bolts, residue bolts, regular bolts, uh, poison. Do you ever use the poison bolts? I do sometimes. They're pretty cool because they won't kill a breaker, but they'll do sort of what the smoke bombs do to the wolves. It'll just sort of make them stop and get sick. Mm. And... You know, you can continue to shoot him or whatever while he's doing that. Or you can just watch and sort of laugh at him. But it will kill human enemies in one hit. Yeah. And they die in agony. I like looting them while they're still dying. Because you yeah. can still loot them while they're still writhing around. And I, I, it's so sadistic. But I kind of, I like it. Especially if they've shot at me. It's like, this is what you get, motherfucker. Yeah. This is what you deserve. See, I have this strange duality with that. And with certain video games in general. It's especially come out with The Last of Us 2, where I just sometimes, like, I feel like, it's so much killing. I wish I didn't have to kill every one of these people. But then also, I go into these camps and I murder people in these ways that, you know, would be, if you're on the other end of it, like, and you survive that, and you see that I killed all of your friends this way, or let's say that, you know, someone shoots at a couple with a residue bolt and one of them kills the other, that's such a horrible fucking thing to do, but you don't really think about that in the context of the game because there's no nuance given to these characters, but you know, you do it for long enough and you have to start to think like, what's this person's story? You know, what's their relationship to the person they just killed with that residue bolt I shot them with? Are they aware of what they're doing you know, until they get shot to death or until they you know, slowly die from the poison that takes over their bloodstream? Yeah, poison bolts, though, they're very similar to what the residue bolts do with the way they, it eventually kills them. I don't put a lot of effort or time into searching for the poison because I can kill them with one shot with a regular bolt once I have the drifter crossbow and the knocked up skill. Yeah. Explosive bolts. So this is one of the primary reasons why I continue to use the crossbow late into the game, even when there are other weapons available that are you know, better for long range or better for just putting down a ton of fire. It's because the explosive bolts can kill 20 freaks if you have them grouped up. So it's basically like launching a pipe bomb anywhere you want. And they're awesome. I sometimes have difficulty, I think, getting the aim right, not with the crossbow, but like the placement, I should say, of the explosive bolt. Like, because with a pipe bomb, you can kind of throw it, you know, straight into the middle. But with a crossbow, you're limited with, um, you've got to hit someone on the outside of the crowd, let's yeah. say, of freaks. So I sometimes feel like they're, they could be better if I could place them better. Do you have any strategies for doing that? So the crossbow reticle is kind of weird. Um, up close, you sort of just want to have them between those two horizontal lines. But when you're trying to aim long range, you have 
two BDCs or bullet drop compensators, little horizontal lines in the center below that. And I find if you use those two BDCs, you can generally pinpoint where you're going to hit at longer ranges. And it also makes it a lot easier to get headshots with the crossbow using those. Mm -hmm. All right. So did we answer sniper versus crossbow? I feel like we talked a lot about crossbow. I want to give a shout out to the sniper rifle because that is what I always roll with. Yeah. Make your argument for the sniper because I don't use it enough. See, I'm, I, a lot of people fall on one side or the other of the, the great divide. Mm -hmm. Um, I am kind of in the middle because I will use the crossbow. I do see its uses, but I find it limited in terms of it takes up, uh, you know, your, you can only carry three weapons and that has to be one of them. And it just doesn't seem to match the power and the efficiency of the auto shotgun, the SMP9. And then if I could have a sniper rifle and a crossbow, in like like a fourth slot or have the sniper rifle uh, sorry have the crossbow be on the bike or something like that then absolutely badass cool like let's roll with it because it does have its uses but i find whenever i'm rolling with the crossbow i come across more instances where i wish that i had the sniper rifle versus when i'm rolling with the sniper rifle that i have instances where i wish i had the crossbow so for that reason I just find that the sniper rifle is just more effective and more useful. Not as versatile, but honestly, at the end of the day, the whole point is to kill things. And so the sniper rifle does that really fucking well. And as a stealthy player, there's nothing more satisfying than hiding in the bushes, you know, several hundred yards away or whatever the distance would be. And, you know, you just like find them in the scope, headshot, blow their fucking heads off perfect and especially if it's suppressed and then yeah. you know their buddies are just like I, I feel kind of a little bit cruel you know if there's like two people standing next to each other and one of their heads just suddenly explodes and the other guy's like huh what and like has no idea where the shot came from yeah. and then bam you take out him as well <laughs> yeah early on when you don't really have a good option either way where you've got the shitty m40 that has basically a one-time zoom and then like a a two times magnification on the scope. So you don't really get much benefit from that compared to using the shitty starting crossbow, which is less powerful and it drops more over long distances. But yeah, it's, it is nice sometimes though to pick up a sniper from an enemy and then use that to just have a little bit more certainty about where you're going to hit and just put the crosshairs right on their forehead, pull the trigger and take them out from 100 yards. But I'm never really confident to try and take a shot like that with a crossbow at that distance, unless I'm just okay with hitting center mass. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to melee weapons. Uh, I love me a good melee weapon. I actually um, usually like to roll with the... Is it the superior mace? The, the end game melee weapons. There's the superior axe and the superior mace, if I remember correctly. And the mace is, is slightly less effective, but I just really like the kind of the feel of it. Uh, but I've recently, on this new playthrough, I have really gotten into the machete. I am a machete convert now. I find the baseball bat weapons way too slow. And although its durability is for shit, I just love the machete. I love the speed of it. And I love how fucking vicious it feels. Yeah, the machete is awesome. There are... 
So early in the game, I make a point to kind of make like a mental note of where various locations are that I can pick up new machetes as resources respawn. Mm -hmm. There's always one by the docks, I believe, over by Patchen's Lake. There's always one in a cabin by that logging camp that you have to go and burn the nest pretty early mm -hmm. on. There's one yeah. over by the White King Mine Horde. In that little shack, yeah. Yeah, and you kind of have to know where the other ones are because otherwise you're wasting all of your scrap constantly repairing it. But yeah, I definitely think it's better than using a spiked baseball bat or a 2x4 that you have to hit them 20 times with. I refuse to pick up the stool legs. I just, I will not, I would rather have no melee weapon than pick up a fucking stool leg. Yeah. I, I don't pick those up. There's the um, lawnmower machetes, which are very much the same feel as a machete, the same sort of speed, and pretty close, I think, in the, in the damage that it deals, but the durability is so much lower. Which is weird. Yeah, I don't know what, it says lawnmower machete, I'm not entirely sure. Is it just like a lawnmower blade? I guess that's what it is. Yeah. It's supposed I, to be. I guess they just took a lawnmower blade, which I could see maybe that having less damage because it's not as sharp. But I would think that would be more durable because it's probably a thicker piece of steel. So even if it is rusted, it's not going to be quite as weak. Maybe it's the handle. You know, because it doesn't have a built-in handle, so you've had to add a handle to it, and, yeah. and that's a weak point, so that breaks easier, or, or the handle fucks up. Yeah, I can't imagine they had the ability to weld on a proper piece of steel, and right. then, you know, put handle scales or something on it. They probably just wrapped a piece of wood around it with some, you know, rawhide or something, let it dry, or maybe use duct tape. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see why that durability would be less. But in a pinch, that's a good weapon to pick up. There's one behind the gas station where you fight the first bear in Marion Forks, opposite the Lumberjack Cafe, mm -hmm. um, just around the back. There's one on the shelving unit back there. There's one up at the Radio Tower Ambush Camp. I think it's in the little outside shed where the guy's fixing the car. So yeah, th those are pretty good. They're good backups. I think I have one of those right now because I stupidly let my machete break. Oh. I felt like such a dumbass. I was like, oh. Where did you leave off when you saved? Uh, oh, I lost it a long time ago. So oh. I've just been rolling with... I I couldn't remember where I picked up the machete. You're right, the White King Mine was the one that I was trying to remember. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I couldn't remember that. So I I remembered where there was a lawnmower machete behind the gas station. I was like, let me get one of those. At least that'll do for now until I find a, a good machete. But yeah, lesson learned. Fix your melee weapon. Fix it. Repair it constantly. It's worth it. For the machete, yeah. it's fucking worth it. Do you use any other melee weapons? Like, what's your... If you're not using the machete, what else are you using? Um, Early on, I kind of just take whatever I can get, but the ones that I really like, like you mentioned, are the machetes really good. The axes I rarely use because while they're really powerful, they break so quickly that they're not even really worth picking up. Um, the hatchets are okay. Mm. There's one that's always on the, kind of on the opposite side of the lake from where you come through the tunnel when you get into Belknap. As you're going down the hill towards Crazy Willies, there's kind of like a campsite right in the edge of the water. And mm -hmm. I'll pick that up sometimes. But, um, like you mentioned, you don't like picking up stool legs. I don't like picking up two by fours 
just because I figure, like, even if I'm going to craft a saw blade axe or something out of it, because it's not comfortable to hold a two by four, I'm thinking, right. like, that makes no difference in terms of how effective it is. But I just feel like if I had a choice, I would look for a baseball bat to make that out of and not a two by four, because I can't wrap my hand around something like that. So that's just a weird little thing that I have with the game. But... Yeah, no, that that makes sense. It's again like putting that story into the character, thinking about them like they're kind of real people in a, a real environment. And that's something that game the game does so well is it convinces you that this is a well-rounded, fleshed-out world where everything has some sort of consequence. Yeah. So if you pick up a two by four, it makes sense. It tracks that the consequence would be that it hurts your hands because it's hard to hold. Yeah, even though the game isn't built with that level of detail it's like you can't help but try to apply it yeah i mean you never have to technically eat or sleep so i don't think deacon would really be worried about how ergonomic the makeshift saw blade axe thing that he created is yeah yeah it's just a weird little thing that i have i don't like to use but um generally i end up with the superior axe at the end of the game just because I think it's cool Mm -hmm. there's such a small difference in the amount of damage that the mace and the axe do that it's I mean sometimes it's really just a matter of if I come across the mace and my axe is at low durability I'll just pick the mace up instead of you know wasting five scrap repairing that one Mm. but yeah that's the one I prefer yeah all right, let's get into uh, craftables. I use a lot. I actually don't. There's there's lots of like loot locations where you can pick up proximity mines, grenades, you know, ready crafted things for you. I actually like to pick up all of the resources that let you craft items, the Molotovs, um, the remote bombs, attractor bombs, things like that. Like I love making those things and using them, even pipe bombs, which uh, granted are not super powerful, but I just, there's something cool about using a pipe bomb that you've made mm-hmm. and just like taking out a bunch of freaks with it. Uh, so I'm I'm a heavy proponent of using the craftables. Uh, for me, I think the most used is probably, probably the Molotovs and then the, na- excuse me, the Napalm Molotovs later in the game. And then my least used well, I never use the the flashbangs. I know you don't craft those, but in terms of like items you can throw, um, and I rarely use the, I think pipe bombs and and the um, the remote bombs. I used to use a lot. And now I'm using them a lot less. Now I know more about bomb placement and where is effective, and how to best strategize using bombs. The remote bombs I would use because I, I was worried about them triggering too soon, uh, bombs in general. And so I wanted the control of the remote bomb so I knew that I could get a lot of freaks grouped up over the bomb and then detonate it manually. But now I feel like I have a handle on how to best strategize bomb placement in terms of where you're going to lead the freakers, how many will come, how they will like, how you can funnel them into one place. Um, placing bombs next to explosive barrels and fuel tanks and things like that. Like I'll go out of my way to go get a red fuel can, bring it back, put it next to a proximity mine or a bomb or whatever I've placed on the ground so that 
that blows up as well and can take out more of them. Yeah. Yeah, you blow them yeah. up and then whoever survives catches on fire. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. How the... about you? Do you do deal with a lot of craftables? Oh yeah. Um Endgame, <laughs> I try to use fewer of them when I'm going around and finishing off the hordes to get to hundred percent or after I reset the hordes. But I use a ton of attractors. Um I use a lot of the mines and the proximity bombs. And the way I've learned to use those is you have to be facing the horde as they're running towards you. You set it at their feet and then you roll backwards and get away. And that roll is important. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> if you just turn around and try and sprint and you fuck up and you tap the button and you just go back to kind of jogging, you're going to get blown up with it. And you know it may not necessarily kill you. But there goes your no-damage horde, if you're trying to do that. The mines will kill 30. The proximity bombs kill 20. The remote bombs only kill 10 each. So the disappointing thing with that is you can't really use those as a um, kind of an improvised combat strategy. Just set them mm -hmm. down and then, you know, whatever. You mentioned putting them on explosive things. So if you know you're going to be running by an explosive tank and you're going to lead the horde there, if you have the camera facing backwards and you see you know, a bunch of them are grouped up there, then that's a good time to detonate the bomb. But It's a good way to thin out the bulk of the horde as you've been chased by the front runners. You can actually use the remote bomb to take out like the back of the horde yeah. or the middle of the horde, like thin it out a little bit. Yeah. If you if you're playing super strategically like that. You know what I do though sometimes with remote bombs is if I initiate a horde fight by actually going to their cave when they're in the cave and then wanting to either just shoot at them while they're in there or whatever. Sometimes I will put remote bombs inside of the cave while they're out and then when they come back detonate them wait for them to get settled in yeah they'll <laughs> stay there and then you can continue to just put more remote bombs like as many as you can craft and sometimes you can kill the whole horde while they're inside of the cave and they don't even come out and fight you mm -hmm. depending on which one it is like the o'leary mountain horde that's not a very big horde so you can just put a few remote bombs in there and you know take them out that way the remote bombs don't use gunpowder which is why they take out fewer freaks because they're actually not as powerful in terms of the explosives, they're basically just kind of a nail bomb. Pretty much. So that's why they're less powerful. But they are—they have that ability, like you say, to you can set them, set as many as you need, and sit back and just blow shit up. Yeah. Especially if you went into a cave and took in a gas can and a couple remote bombs, or several gas cans. I mean, yeah. sometimes they're like two or three in one location. You could, if you took the time, if you wanted to... You could do that. I wonder if that might be a good strategy for the Mount Bailey Horde. Because that oh, one's tricky. Fuck the Mount Bailey Horde. <laughs> I posted this the other day. I was asking people, you know, what's the one that gives you the most trouble? Because I, my last playthrough of the survival, I killed the Iron Butte Horde without even using my guns. I just used the bombs. And then when I ran out of... Molotovs, I think what I ended up doing was I just would throw attractor bombs 
at I, like I throw them at my feet as I'm running, so then I'm more likely to get more of them to run to it instead of just some will go to it and some will continue to follow me, and then that'll blow up twenty, and you know when I get down to the last few, I just use melee, roll away after I kill one, strike that one, roll again, and yeah, that was easy. And then I killed the sawmill horde really fast, and I was kind of disappointed because I play Black Friday so much, it's just 500 or dead before you know it, especially when you don't start with a shitty primary weapon and, you know, good light machine gun. You have all the weapons, and you practice enough, 500 is easy to kill, but holy fuck the Mount Bailey horde. It's the terrain, I think, mm-hmm. that makes it so difficult. Yeah. I thought I cracked it recently by using not not running downhill, um, but setting up bombs and things and leading them uphill to that little cliff. And then if you shoot as many as you can, blow up as many as you can, Molotov as many as you can. And then when you roll off the cliff, they follow you in a very specific way. There's only one part where they drop down, so it's easy to shoot them as they drop down. I thought this was a great strategy. And then I don't know if you follow Borislav247 on Reddit and on YouTube. So he posts these videos where he takes out a horde in X number of seconds. And he, this guy, ah, he's just a fucking beast with taking out these hordes. Uh, he did the sawmill, I think, in like 91 seconds or something like that. And the uh, Iron Butte horde in like 38 seconds. He posted a video just recently destroying the 300 strong mount bailey horde in 41 seconds i have to go look that up it's incredible it is absolutely incredible his username is borislav247 b-o-r-i-s-l-a-v 247 and look him up on youtube he also because we mentioned the challenges earlier i should um mention he has a whole bunch of videos like tutorials for how to do those and not just tutorials on how to do each challenge, but a, a sort of meta tutorial that's like how to structure each challenge so that the rewards you get in one will benefit you in the next challenge you do. Like he figured out the order to do them in to maximize your chances of getting gold and use the rewards to benefit you in the next challenge you do. It's mm. fucking, this guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. And I am going to have him on the podcast at some point in the future. Yeah, I'll um, because be he's just that one. yeah, his videos are incredible. All right, so I think we've run through all of the the weapons um, and the different sort of strategies, but I want to take a moment to think about, as we kind of discussed earlier, the mindset of what it takes to survive in this world and what this world would do to you. So, I think that the big thing there is. You have to just be really strong mentally, not be one of these kind of people like you talked about earlier that is so dependent on the comforts and the you know the the recreational shit that we have now where we can constantly play with our phones for hours and avoid our responsibilities and you know have any number of different programming that we can watch whenever we want, go anywhere and eat whatever type of different food. You know, it's like, oh, I'm eating hardtack for the 50th consecutive day or jerky from the same animal that we killed. And it doesn't taste like it's very good anymore. And I'm probably going to pay the ultimate price for this tomorrow. But, you know, this is my life now. 
you can't be the sort of person that in this world questions why they're alive. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I don't think many people with mental health issues or, you know, depression would do very well in that world. I think they'd all be long gone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at in the game, you know, Deacon obviously has PTSD from being in the military. Um, and when we, it, it's kind of not super explicit, I think the first time uh, that you play the game, you don't necessarily pick up on it. But Deacon is an incredibly damaged human. Uh, he His mind is broken. He is one step away from completely losing his humanity. And it comes from, you know, obviously the things he's been through, the things he's done before the collapse, but a lot of it is compounded by what he's had to do since. The endless killing, no time to breathe, no time to stop, no time to sleep, no time to focus on anything but survive, survive, survive. Everything is trying to kill you. Everything is coming at you. Kill it first survive another day i mean holy shit for two years that's your whole existence is just keep going another hour another minute like anything whatever it takes and everyone's your enemy yeah exactly everyone everywhere is your enemy you can't ever show any sort of vulnerability or be you know weak around anybody you'll ever let your guard down everybody you meet you can't think oh this is a new person that maybe i can talk to and not be so fucking alone all the time and you know chances are you do that they're going to try and kill you because they see you have some supplies because you know who knows how desperate they are do they actually feel like you have more value to them if you're alive and you can help them or are they also so damaged from two years of being out there by themselves and constantly having to kill everything they come across and everything they every moment is a threat you can never let your guard down and then maybe they just feel like i don't need another person because they're going to turn on me yeah and yeah i don't think many people would do very well in that situation that's why i said i think i'd be dead pretty early i think only the very worst people that in our society has to offer would be the ones that would still be around yeah. And even then it would be a numbers game, you know, in a fight between two people, one person wins. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so you have a 50-50 shot. Even if you're the baddest motherfucker, there's still someone else who's a pretty bad motherfucker and like one of you is going to survive. So eventually you're going to end up with very few people. And, you know, like I said, when you don't have like medical supplies or doctors or hospitals or anything like that, anything could kill you. Yeah. And one of the reasons I'm such a big proponent of firearms in general and training and people, you know, being armed and protecting themselves is because it's an equalizer. So coming back to what you were just saying a moment ago, if, you know, you said it was a luck thing, it's just to flip a coin, basically, it doesn't matter if you're the baddest motherfucker out there. If all you have is a club and the guy that's getting ready to fight you has, you know, a few bullets left in his magazine He's just going to shoot you and, you know, all of your skills and all of that are useless. Yeah. So it's just as much luck as it is skill. Yeah. 
Well, much like unloading an auto shotgun in the face of a freaker, I have had an absolute fucking blast tonight. Kellen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. It was a good time. Since recording this interview, I was given an amazing tip from one of my YouTube followers, Dandy Denny, about the machete melee weapon. Pretty much every green pickup truck, the forestry service trucks, has a fucking machete in the back. So machetes are way more plentiful in the game than I knew when I recorded this episode. So a big, big thank you to Dandy Denny for that piece of information. Okay, I have a slight change to my usual wrap-up spiel. Every morning at around 7.30am Pacific Time, you can watch me livestream my Survival 2 fresh start playthrough. I take on hordes, I talk shit about rippers, and I lay waste ambush camps all before I've had my morning cup of coffee. You can find me on my YouTube channel, just search for Days Gone Podcast. On Tuesdays, I invade the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel for a collaborative livestream playthrough of Days Gone. He goes into advanced gameplay tactics and strategy, and I discuss the story, characters, and all the amazing details of the game. You can find us live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel every Tuesday at 6pm Pacific. And if you can't tune in live, both of those streams are still available to watch afterwards on their respective channels. You can support the Days Gone podcast by leaving a review or giving us a thumbs up. That really helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the show. If you have friends who play Days Gone, please let them know about the podcast and perhaps give us a share on social media. You can also show your support by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. That really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. I want to give a shout out to Lena, Neil, and Kat for buying me coffees this week. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the support. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counterarguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out. Weaver out.